Good morning, Spring House. How's everybody this morning? Good. It's a good day to be in the house, yes? Uh, All three, Wayne, James, and Hal, made references to the past. And sometimes we are so reticent to just let go and forget and not want to think about the past. But I want to encourage you that your past is a part of your story. It's a part of your testimony. And we draw from the past and we remember the thing, even the bad stuff, guys. We remember the stuff in the past. And boy, it gives us and helps us see the hope that we have in Jesus for the future. And so let us not negate those lessons and the things that we learn uh, in, the, in the past. Amen. Uh, it's a good morning. A couple of things. This Thursday night, we'll conclude our Thursday night midweek gatherings here uh, for the year. And so come and be a part of that if you can. 6 p.m. on Thursday night, Pastor Justin's closing out his uh, series uh, this Thursday. And then uh, we at Springhouse want to offer you all a Christmas gift. And uh, David Warren, over the years, uh, along with the team of photographers, has um, offered Christmas pictures, family Christmas. Christmas pictures, and we're going to be offering that to Springhouse families next week. And so if you would like to uh, sign up, we need you to go on the app, I believe, the app, and sign up for a time. So in the past, when you came, you just came and you got in line, we're going to have you sign up for a time slot. They'll be starting early in the morning before the early gathering all the way into the uh, right after this gathering. So if you want to do that next week to your family, uh, David and the team just does a fabulous job. And we just want to offer this as a gift to you uh, for you maybe to do your Christmas Christmas cards or whatnot, but that'll be next week, uh, and uh, you want to make sure to sign up on the app for that. Uh, We believe here that God has saved the very best for right now, and we are going to uh, conclude our Kingdom Seekers series today, and Pastor Allen is going to come and bring the word. Would you welcome Pastor Allen? Amen. I've asked Michael to stay. Will you play that chorus part of the holy song we just sang? Angels cry. Um, Woke up this morning at 422. That's just because I'm old and it was that time. And and then I went back to lay down in bed and I laid there and I laid there and I kept watching the ceiling fan. And I did that for however long and I went and got up, cut the ceiling fan off. And I just laid up there and counted the little speckles in the ceiling and I went... God, I just want to go to sleep. Has anybody had a week? Anybody had a week? Now, I made the mistake of praying before I went to bed last night. Hear me. I'll, I typically pray before I go to bed. What I made the mistake was, I told the Lord at about 1140 something when I was laying my eyes down. And I said, Lord, I need a good night's sleep. I just need to be refreshed because I am physically and emotionally drained. And apparently God thought that four hours and 27 minutes was enough sleep for me. <laughs> because he wouldn't let me go back to sleep. I know I was driving Renee crazy. So at 4.57, I went, God, am I supposed to get up or am I just being restless? And I just felt, I don't get them all the time, but I just felt the Lord said to get up and spend some time with me. So I got up and I got dressed in the dark, so that's why you got what you got, because I didn't want to wake up Renee. Walked through the house, poor Chelsea, I'm sure I woke her up. And God said, not here. So I came to the church. And me and God, I think, I think Jonathan came in this door and I was coming in the other one. 
And I just started walking the halls and cutting on all the lights and opening doors. Because today, two years ago, was the day that I first started having symptoms of COVID-19. And on that Tuesday, I was sent to the emergency room and was in ICU for the next 13 days. And that Tuesday, I almost died. From 1047 to about midnight, I was told that they watched every breath and every heartbeat that I had because they did not think I was going to live through the night. But God, some of you in this room have been here, prayed for me for those 13 days. Some of you, I walked to the old hallway where my office used to be, and I just looked at the door where there were two or three dozen post-its that people wrote encouragements and put on my office door. I went upstairs to the youth room where the youth had written my name and was praying for me. And I walked around this building, and I just thank God for the breath of life to be able to live. And I, t- I listen, It was four days. I saw 23 different medical people during that time, but I only got to see two people that I really knew come in the room. On day four, Pastor Kevin came in a hazmat suit, and then my wife got to come in. Deb, I saw you through my window two two or three times laying your hands on my window and praying for me. I want to tell you, if you're in this room this morning, I don't know who this is for. I did it in the first service, and I'm doing it now. Because what I'm about to pray isn't going to guarantee your healing. That's up to God and His will for your life. But I believe right now that there is... There are people in this room that are fighting sickness. I don't care if it's a cold to cancer, but there are also families that are fighting for your very households in this house this morning. There are people that are fighting financial difficulties in this household, and there is a release in this house this morning for you because he is holy. And when we cry out to him in his holiness, he will hear us when we cry You don't know what I feel, Pastor. Let me tell you something. On day four, I was ready to die because I was so alone and isolated. I said, if this is all you've got for me, take me. I was ready to go home. But God had another purpose for my life, and he spared me. And I've tried my best for the last two years. Have I done it successfully all the time? No. I have fallen. I've fallen again. But I've tried my best to live a life worthy of the manner of the calling on my life and to express my love and gratitude to people. God wouldn't let me sleep this morning. And there may be just one person in this room. I'm going to ask you on a step of faith. If there is something that you need from God this morning, we don't have to wait till the end of this service. I'm not asking you to come forward, but I am asking you this. I know for a fact I need somebody to stand for D. Warren. I know I need somebody to stand for her. If there is something that you need from God this morning, would you take a step of faith and just stand? And let's pray and have an open posture. Father, I know that you have so many names. And Jehovah, you are Jehovah. 
And one of your names is Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that heals. So, Father, I pray over this body for those that are sick and infirm, Lord. I pray healing in the name of Jesus. I pray that the bloodline of Jesus Christ would conquer every sickness. It is a name above every name. And every name will bow and every knee will will bow and every tongue will confess in the name of Jesus. So I pray for healing in bodies this morning. God, I pray for marriages. I know that there are families struggling. And I pray for healing and reconciliation in parent relationships, in spousal relationships, in distant family relationships. God, bring the prodigals home, God. Let the prayers of mothers and fathers and grandparents be heard in your throne room. Let them be incense in your throne room. And God, that those prayers would be answered, God. And Lord, I pray for provision. Jehovah Jireh, your provision will be made known. When Abraham was on the mountain and Isaac said, where is the ram? Where is the sacrifice? And you said, God would provide. So Lord, we trust you in that this morning. Lord, we cry holy this morning. We've spent moments in worship and we've laid our hearts out before you. But one more time as a body, can we just say you are holy? You are holy. You are mighty and you are worthy of all praise, God. And we glorify you in this house. And Lord, if you never do another thing, we've got a lifetime. Pastor Kevin just said, we've been talking about the past. Everyone in this room has a lifetime of experiences where we've seen your hand move. And we give you thanks for it, God. And we rejoice for what you're going to do, God. We may not see the other side of the mountain. We may not see the other side of the river. But God, we know you're there waiting. And you're going to take us through. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh. Now we got to run. Thank you, Michael. Oh, goodness gracious, Helen. Maybe the Lord will let me take a nap this afternoon. I don't think so. I got teacher's appreciation to go to and counseling to go to tonight. Um, okay, I've got this. I say I've got this. He has this. I'm talking about I got this. Um, so as Pastor said, we are, this whole year, we've been doing a series, The Kingdom Seekers. We've been in the book of Matthew the whole year. Um, when I realized, I didn't, th- I didn't know I was going to be the last speaker in the series because I thought we were, and then I found out I'm the last speaker in the series. Uh-oh. I kind of feel like that batter in the World Series in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, two strikes. Base is loaded and you're down by one and you've got to get a hit. I kind of feel like that. But you know what? I don't have to. It's not my responsibility to produce. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to have spoken to me, me deliver what I believe he told me to tell you, and you to hear him, not me. So that's the plan. So don't blame me. I had two people after the first gathering say, um, preach it like you did in the first one. I went, I don't know what I said. I can't pray. Um, and that happens a lot. You got notes, but sometimes he speaks and you don't. So, uh, so we are talking about the greatest commandment today, and that's in Matthew 22. Um, click. Now, the title of this message could be, All You Need Is Love. That was strictly just for Pastor Ronnie. <clears throat> or, like, um, what was that? 
cartoon show. Uh, oh, Alan, I'm so old, I forgot it. It was a kid's show back when I was kids, but they do the crack fractured fairy tales, and they have it's this or it's that. So it could be all you need is love, or it could be the question within the question. So, Vonda, whoops, too fast. Man, I got an itchy trigger finger. Uh, Vonda Coble, when she spoke the second message of the series, she had a stand to read the scripture. She said, now people, I love, love Vonda. She said, now we're going to read this with gusto and enthusiasm. So would you stand this morning and let's read this with gusto and enthusiasm. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Click. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Father, I know we like to laugh, but I do ask, Holy Spirit, anything that's not of me, any of my foolishness, Lord, let that fall away, but let your truth remain in Christ's name. Amen. So you may be seated. All right, so fair warning. When you get older... Those words back there get smaller. <clears throat> I had to get them to enhance them up to 90 <laughs> so that I could see from the floor. So y'all bear with me. I'll try to get through this. Um, click. There it goes. Okay. So as I said, we've been journeying over this year in the book of Matthew. And we've gone from the Beatitudes to the parables to miracles and healings. Watch out on the front row. I'm sweating and spitting. Uh, and, and we've had several teachings on the kingdom of heaven. How many were here? Rhonda, were you two weeks ago, two Sundays ago? Man, Ron, I loved hearing Rhonda's perspective on the vineyard. That was amazing. But we've had all these different teachings. So today, as we close out the series, we're going to focus on an essential component to all the teachings, and that's love. Excuse me. Yeah, there it goes. Apparently, I need a battery in this thing. So there's different forms of love. I love my dog. She's passed away, but I still loved her. I love ice cream, similar to Pastor Ronnie. I love the Braves. I love, I love a lot of things. But that word is not fair. Because I can't say those things about those things and say, I love that woman sitting over there. Because I should have a whole different definition of love for my wife than I do ice cream or my favorite sports team. And I believe it was Pastor Ronnie earlier, he, they can correct me later, that was breaking down the forms of love. You know, we talked about the ones in Greek. We have eros, the romantic or the physical kind. We have phileo, the brotherly. We have storge, familial kind of love. And then we have agape. So when we read this scripture, Jesus ain't talking about love people like you love ice cream. He ain't saying love God like you love your favorite sports team. He's talking about the agape. Love, regardless of what you heard, is not a feeling and an emotion. You can have the warm fuzzies. You, contrary to popular belief, you don't fall into love. You fall into infatuation and lust. 
But it takes a choice to love. There is a conscious effort to love somebody. Sometimes it's easy to love the lovely, right? There are some people that's just easy to love. But sometimes there are people that come across your path and you got to choose to love them. Thank God Renee does that every morning when she wakes up. <laughs> There's a bear that sleeps in our bedroom and I don't know where he goes when he wakes up, but she has to deal with him. But love is not an emotion or a feeling. It requires an action on our part. Now, Faith is an integral component in the ability to love. I've got this scripture, but actually I want to go back. Let me, I'm going to go old school because I know Justin loves that. Lord, I don't need that computer. Don't let it come out there. Hebrews. Yeah, come on. Justin's already over there. Get past the girls eat potato chips. Get past 2 Timothy. Come on. There we go. Y'all didn't have those when you was growing up in school learning how to memorize Bible things. All right. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I'm not a theologian, don't claim to be, but I'm going to try to make a scriptural stretch here. I don't think you can love without faith. Because the Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. So if you don't have that part in your life, how are you going to love? We all want to please God, right? Anybody not want to? Did you wake up this morning and go, eh? don't really care. Everybody wants to please God, right? You want to be pleasing. You want to please your family. You want to please those that are around you that you love. But to please God, it takes faith. That's our first key. You got to have faith to love, I believe. Now, James writes something pretty interesting. In, in my Bible, it's three pages over. I don't know what kind of version you got, so I'm going to flip it over there. James 2, watch out for papers falling out of my Bible. Should I click this for them? Aubrey, help me. Click. Yeah, there you go. All right, starting at verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister was out clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, I can almost hear a tone here. What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by your works. We are saved by faith, yes. But faith and works are hand in hand. If you're a person of faith, your works will declare your faith. Your works should declare your faith. Your, what you believe, your actions will prove it. If you believe in the Lord and you believe in salvation and you trust his word, your actions should manifest that. And if they don't, something's off. And you got to get those two to marry up. Your works should identify with your faith. So James tells us that Faith without works is of no use. It's no avail. It does nobody any good. 
Now the word there, according to Strong's, how many know who Strong's is? I never met him, but I, he's got a big book. According to Strong's, the word there is from the root patho. Don't ask me to spell it, it's in Greek. But it's from a word patho, and it says that it literally means a gift from God, not something produced of man's own uh, fruition or his own ability. And, and you know, well, that, what? Listen, we got no faith without God. Romans 12, 3, Paul says that it is the Lord that gives each one a measure of faith. We can't even generate our own faith. God is so gracious and so kind to us that he gives us the ability to have faith. So he gives each one a measure of faith. Click. I'm telling you, sorry. We changed the batteries for Pastor Kevin next week. So, if works is an outward manifestation of an inward faith, then love must be one of those visible signs, right? I mean, you got the fruit of the Spirit. So it's got to go hand in hand together. So what does love look like? Now, we know that there are countless scriptures in the Bible that deal with love, but there is one that's pretty famous, and I think you all know it. So if you got your, if you got your phone, you can just click it, and you'll get there before I will. If not, flip backwards a few pages to 1 Corinthians. Watch out for fallen money and stuff out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it benefits me nothing. Here's what love is. Love is patient. Sermon over. I mean, literally, we could just stop there. But we won't because he gives us a few more qualifiers. <clears throat> Love is kind. Ouch. Love is not jealous, does not brag, and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Ouch. It does not seek its own, it's not provoked, and it does not take into account a wrong suffered. Let me read that again for me. Y'all don't have to hear this one, but Alan, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. You mean, Alan, I don't have to be offended when things are said or done that you don't agree with or strike your... I'm sorry, Alan. Alan, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. Here's what love is. It bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. If you ain't ready yet, here it comes. Love never fails. That word there in Greek means to like fall prostrate. It means that love cannot be collapsed. Love is a firm foundation that when it is there, nothing will destroy it. It will not fall down. How do I love people that don't love me? How do I love a child that's running from God? How do I love a spouse that's not living up to where God's called them? How do I love the person at my job that talks behind my back and does me wrong? How do I love the unlovely? 
because love never fails. And I'm supposed to be patient. I'm supposed to be kind. I'm supposed to put up with unrighteousness and love them anyway in their unrighteousness. And I rejoice in the truth when it's shared. Love never. That word, they, they tell us in the counseling classes I took in school, never. It's funny. They say never use the words never and always. Love never fails. Now, let's play the match game again. If God is love, I can read that verse and say, God never fails. God will never fail me in my marriage with my wife. God will never fail me in my relationship with my children. God will never fail me on that job site where I feel like I'm being persecuted because I'm trying to live a righteous life. God never fails and neither will love. In fact, he loved the world so much that he gave. Where there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away with. If there are tongues, they shall cease. Knowledge will be done away with. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect, the complete, the whole comes, the partial will be done away with. This is a verse I like to struggle with in my life. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. And I spoke like a child because I thought like a child. And I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I write in my Bible. And right there on mine, it says, when I become. I changed the A to an O. Because I'm not a man yet. Because I still struggle with that. I am becoming. Paul tells us that, behold, all things are coming new. It's a renewed day-by-day thing. I'm not there yet, and neither are you. So when I become a man or woman... Not me personally, but I'm talking to the females in the room. (laughs) Then I will do away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. Lynchpin, or not the lynchpin, the conclusion. I think verse 8 was the lynchpin. Verse 13. But now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. If you got it and you're reading it, say it with me. But the greatest of these, faith's important. But you can't have love without faith. Hope's important. When I was sitting in that deathbed, ready to go home, I posted on it early this morning. It was November the 24th, my eighth day there, that I had had a few phone calls from people, and I said, I'm done. I am worshiping my way out of this hospital. And I began to listen to Jonathan and Brittany's song, Restored. And I drove those people crazy for 12 hours because I just played it and played it and played it because there's a line in there that says, he restores my hope, and he gives my heart dreams again. And my hope was restored, and I had dreams to get out of that hospital and live Listen, hope is important in this life. But none of that's going to matter if you don't have love. you got to have love. 
So, if I can use my license, my liberty again, let's read James this way. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has love but has no works? Can that love save him? If a brother or sister was out clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, love, if it has no works, no outward manifestation, is dead, being by itself. But someone may say, you have love and I have works. Show me your love without the works, and I'll show you my love by my works. Listen. I used to try to show people love because I am a person that needs affirmation. That's just the history of my life, my family upbringing, the things that were said and done over me. I constantly seek affirmation. I'm trying to break that to realize that my only affirmation is there, not there. I love you. I need you, but I don't need you. That's the affirmation I need to be after. But I would love you and do things for you, not because I loved you, but because I wanted you to love me back. And I wanted you to tell me things, how much you loved me. And then I get mad if you didn't love me the way I want you to love me. Whose fault is that? It's mine because I had an impure and wrong motive in the first place because I was trying to love you because I wanted something from you when that's not what God called us to do. He said love. Just love. He didn't put a qualification on it or, uh, uh, or uh, help me conditions on it. Which comes into play when we read the text. Let's go back to Matthew 22 real quick. Not to Zachariah. Let's go back one more. Here we go. <clears throat> so let's bring it home. I love that through this series, when they come to Jesus, they being Sadducees, religious leaders, Pharisees, do you know they don't really care what his answer is? They were trying to trap and trick him. They, they, oh, they, Lord, tell us. They didn't really care. They were trying to see what he would say so they could trap him and create problems so that they could arrest him and do their thing. And I find it interesting here that they came and they got together. They huddled up together and they sent their best lawyer, whoever. I love how Jesus, in a majority of our teachings, we've seen that he answered a question with a question. He, he was way too wise. He knew what the thoughts was. He wasn't just going to answer it. He went, all right, I'll ask you a question. Because they really didn't care about what the greatest commandment was. They knew it. They studied it. They knew the Torah. They knew that the greatest commandment is the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. They knew that. And they ought to know that he knew it. For them, it's just a religious, righteous test. And that didn't work. Because Jesus was a little slicker. He did this. I love when it picks up at uh, verse 33. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. They recognized. There's some, I'm not big in sports analogies, but there's something like, that's him whatever that is, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, he's him. He got game. 
they recognized that he was him. They were getting it. They were starting to come around. They had been walking in here in the teachings. They had seen the miracles. But then it says the Pharisees, so there's two different people listening. Amazing, we'd be in a room this size and there's so many different mindsets listening. And what we hear, what we choose not to hear because of the motive of our heart. When the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, it's almost like they, psh, he put the Sadducees to silence and then they got together and said, you go ask him. I can't imagine that guy walking up. I guess he thought he was high and mighty. I, almost like he, he probably had his stuff and got his tassels and got all strolled up and said, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And then Jesus told them what they already knew. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's basic. That's the first foundational thing for all of us. If, if we can't do that, we'll never fulfill the second commandment. Forget the Ten Commandments. Forget the 613 Levitical Commandments. Because he goes on and says, all, all that hinges on these two. But if we can't get the first one, Alan, and love him with all, not 58%, 75%, or today I feel, eh. He says, love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, all your emotions, all your intellect. Love him with everything that's within you. If, I, if I'm holding out on that part, I can forget the other part. I'll never fulfill that. And neither will you. So that's our first, that's our first thing we need to figure out this morning. Do I believe that? Am I doing that? Listen, you're not going to do it every day. I don't. I cannot tell you how many times I blow it. But the scripture says a righteous man, though he falls seven times, he gets up. I can tell you I've fallen more than seven times, probably just this week. You're going to blow it but you can get back up because he is a God of grace. Worship team, if y'all want to slide on out. Now the fun part. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Well, that sounds pretty easy. We know how to love. I love ice cream. I love, well, I don't love the Titans. <laughs> Used to, but I grew up when I was a child. <clears throat> listen, listen. I believe we heard somewhere in the course of this year an explanation on who my neighbor is. It's not the person to the house on the left or the right. See, we want to choose who we love and who our neighbor is. Because I can love these people. They're pretty. I can love these people. I can love this one. I do love this one. I can choose the lovely to love. That's easy. Can I love somebody that doesn't believe the way I do? I don't smell real well right now because I've been sweating, but can I, can I love somebody that doesn't smell really nice? Can I love somebody 
that speaks a different language? Can I, can I love somebody that cusses my God that I love dearly? Can I love that person in my job that backbites and does everything they can to undermine me so that they get a better position? Can I love that classmate that ridicules and mocks me because of what I, drew, what I wear or what I drive or how I act at school? Can I love those people? He says we can because they, those that heard and said, I got a question for you. Who's our neighbor? Then he, he flipped it on them. Let me tell you a story. There was a guy walking down the road. And he gets into the story of the Good Samaritan. If you don't know your history in Bible, racism didn't start in the 60s, didn't start in the 1800s. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. And of all the people that shoulda, coulda, woulda, a filthy, nasty Samaritan helped that robber. I believe Pastor Ronnie gave us some amazing examples earlier in the year of who helps somebody. You don't get to pick. And neither do I. You know who picks who we love? The Father in heaven that said, whosoever will. The Father that said that none, N-O-N-E, nobody should perish. Because he's bringing them across your path and your path and your path and my path that we might love them as we love ourselves. Oh, ah, oh. <laughs> there's a problem. Because some of us in the room don't know how to love ourselves. I ain't talking about love, loving myself like I got it together because I'm so good looking and I'm, nah, that's garbage. I'm talking about knowing who you are, what your value is, who God, he gave his only son for us while we were still sinners, it says. When I can gain a value of who I am in Christ, and I'm not dependent on what you think of me, and if you affirm me, and if you pat me on the back, when I can forget all that, and I only am in an audience of one, and I understand that he loves me, don't hurt your feelings. He loves me more than you, but he loves her more than me. He, he loves us all that way. The word says we are the apple of his eye. We are precious. As that little children's song, Brittany was singing in the play the other few months ago or so, we are precious in his sight. When we can learn to love ourselves. Listen, don't think I don't know. Some of us are holding stuff from our childhood and our past and we will not forgive ourselves. We won't even love ourselves because we keep going and pardon the expression, but it's biblical. We'll go over here and eat this vomit again. Because it's familiar to us. When we can love ourselves in the love of God, then I can love my neighbor. I'm going to tell you, there's many scriptures, but this is the one the Lord gave me this week to describe the love we need to have. Colossians 3. 
For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Some of us used to. Some of us might be. And if you are, you can be a used to. But now, I love that. God saved the best for now. But now you also put them all aside. Anger. You can't love and be angry. Wrath. Can't love and have wrath. Malice. Slander. Abusive speech out of your mouth. Here's one. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Maybe that's just me. Y'all, do, y'all deal with that one on y'all. Put on the new self who is being renewed. This is a process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and you got it all together. I've been trying since 1988, March 19th of 88. I ain't there. Bad English, but decent preaching. You ain't there either. So you can take that little finger and turn it back around. We are being renewed. A renewal which, here's the classification. Who do you love? There is no distinction. There's no more Greek and Gentile. There's no Greek and Jew. There's no circumcised and uncircumcised. There's no barbarian or Scythian. There's no slave and free man because Christ is all and in all. So, this is Ewan's and me. And as those who have been chosen of God, think the scripture, we're God's workmanship. Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Boy, it sounds like Galatians 5 to me. Humility, gentleness, patience. I struggle with this one, bearing with one another. Forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Verse 14. And beyond all these things, what things? Go look at verse 12 and 13. Above all these things, if you got your Bible, read it. Put on love which is the perfect, complete, whole, total bond of unity. Pastor Kevin's heart for this fellowship, the heart for this pastoral staff, I'm going to put this here for now, is here every week. Is it ironic? Is it happenstance? Is it chance? that we in English read left to right. I'm just saying. We got to love big. And I don't mean like ice cream, like my dog. I mean, we got to agape big. And I think we do a kind of pretty good job here. But if we want to see souls saved, if we want to see people brought into the kingdom and restored in relationships, we got to love big. So where are you? Are we struggling with the first one? Are we struggling with the second one or the back half of the second one? That's our question this morning. As they play, 
I want you to hear the chorus before they get into it. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Those that would pray, if you'll come forward, this isn't a typical salvation. I don't, I don't know what God's telling you to do. Maybe you just sit there, but I would invite you to stand and worship. And if you need to come down here and pray with somebody, come. If you need to come and just have your own place, or you need to do it there. But I would encourage you this morning, let's try to figure out those two, and let's do them to the best of our ability.